Welcome to Backstage at the Enharmonic. I'm your host, Sean J. Kennedy. Today's guest is Andrew Torrey, the drum tech and playback technician for Panic at the Disco. I've known Andrew since 1996, when I first met him as a drum student. This podcast explores his early influences, his current job, and his affinity for all things drums. I hope you enjoy this edition of Backstage at the Enharmonic. Hey, Andrew, this is Sean Kennedy. Are you there? Hey, Sean. How you doing? Good, good to talk to you. Yeah, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for taking some time to be on the podcast. I've been following you on social media with all your adventures around the world. Do you have a clear memory of when music first struck you, your first musical memory? I wouldn't say I have like a one specific memory in particular. Um, I guess just playing with my parents, you know, records and their record player, I guess is my very first memory. And then my grandfather was huge into music and the jazz music. So that's really what kind of sparked my interest. We used to listen to music together and I guess that's where it all started for me. What did your parents listen to? Do you remember the actual records, the artists that they may have listened to? Yeah, I specifically remember um, Sgt. Pepper's by the Beatles. They had Let It Be by the Beatles, a bunch of Rolling Stones records. My dad was big in the Credence, Clearwater Revival. So a lot of rock, you know, stuff from their mm-hmm. day, but uh, stuff that I still appreciate to this day. So it, I guess it was an important step in my uh, musical journey. You know, I should tell the audience that we've known each other for the better part of 20 years now. And I remember when you were a young kid in sixth, seventh grade, you had a really some deep roots in some of the founders of jazz, like Buddy Rich and Gene Krupa. Did that come from your grandfather? Yeah, absolutely. That all came from my grandfather. Um, Yeah, I mean, that was the greatest thing for me as a kid was just us hanging out, listening to music, and he would tell me stories. You know, based on what we were listening to, we talk about certain artists, how they were different from other artists of the day. It was, you know, it was, uh, he did a lot to pique my interest in music. And I'm still just so appreciative of that because I wouldn't be doing this if it hadn't been for him. Definitely. Now, was he a musician or just someone who loved music? He was a musician. He played drums casually, but um, never a professional musician or anything. It was more of just a hobby. Yeah, it was just like, you know, for fun. And uh, it, it went throughout his whole life, though, so. Beautiful. And I remember when you were a young kid, occasionally you'd have different drums and you'd have these beautiful Rogers drums, like these antiques and uh, all those things, which was unusual for a sixth or a seventh grader to uh, have. And to covet, you knew how valuable they were as a young kid. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still obsessed with drums. Like to this day, I still am always looking for vintage drums to buy or sell or trade. It's just a lifelong passion of mine. I don't think I'll ever, you know, get over that. The more you learn, the more you you realize that you don't know. <laughs> That's what it exactly. seems like for me. Every time I discover something new, it's like, oh wow, I never knew that existed. And it's a yep. it's a great journey to a be little, on. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, as they say, a little bit of information can be very dangerous. <laughs> That's uh, exactly true. 
for the last, I don't know how long it's been, you could, of course, tell the audience this, but you've been working with a very popular band, uh, International Sensation. So why don't you tell us your, your title, what you do with these guys, and the name of the group, and maybe how you got started with this group. So lay it on us. Okay. I work for a band called Panic at the Disco. They're like a pop rock, dancey type group. My position is drum and playback technician. Their drummer, Dan, is someone that I've known for a long time now. We're good friends. Just known each other through playing music. He's from Philadelphia as well. And uh, we used to play in a band together a few years ago. And we just have a lot in common. Um, we're both drummers. We're both audio engineers. And uh, we just we complement each other well. And he, uh, a couple of years ago, just asked me if I was interested in coming out on the road and drum teching for him. And... You know, I didn't know what to expect. I had never done anything like that. Um, I'd been on tour before as a musician playing, but uh, it was a new experience for me, and uh, it, it worked out pretty well. So I'm, I'm really grateful that he asked me. It's been a great uh, experience for me. What was one of the most surprising things that you think you learned on the tour? It was such a big band. Was there anything uh, that kind of you weren't ready for when you started this experience? I'm always anxious about you know meeting new people and trying to work with new people and I, you know, how they're going to receive me. I think the hardest part for me was just you know meeting new people and trying to fit in because you know all the people that work for uh, Panic have been doing it for a long time. They're very confident in what they do, so I kind of had to get in there and try to prove myself right away. So that was pretty difficult, but um, I think it was a challenge that I overcame in the end. Um, and we all pre work pretty cohesively together now. So, when the group travels, like it must be an army of people and vehicles. How many people? How many eighteen-wheelers are traveling across the country at any given moment? So it depends on the tour and what we're doing. You know, if it's a one-off or not. Um, on this past tour, we did a arena tour of the U.S. I think there were like eight trucks, eight semis. We had like a bunch of buses. We have, I think, I think there are like seven or eight core crew members. We have a front of house engineer, monitor engineer, lighting director, guitar tech, bass tech, drum tech, and then we have a tour manager, road manager. It's it's definitely a, a large crew of people. It's a it's a machine. It uh, sometimes it goes really well, and sometimes we have some problems to overcome. But we, I think we do a pretty good job at it. I've done some regional tours with. You know, not a gr any groups that big, but with maybe two semis. And one thing I noticed just as a freelance player on a couple of these things is the different venues to go into. It seems like uh, the house rules are different in every city, and it can delay or make it go, you know, less smoothly. When you guys go into a house like uh, Wells Fargo Center here in Philly, do you have free reign of it, or do the local guys, do you have to coordinate with the local Teamsters as well when you set up everything? A lot of times we're working with the local unions for load-in, load-out, set-up. So in terms of working with the unions, we definitely have to adhere to their, like, union rules. Like, especially when we're in New York and doing, like, Madison Square Garden and stuff. It's, they're pretty strict about that kind of thing. But um, in terms of our stage setup and everything, that's all advanced ahead of time. So, like, they know what to expect. And, you know, if we're doing pyro, we have the fire marshals come out and check it out. This is a lot of like production stuff that a production manager would handle, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, we we have pretty free reign, but uh, we do have to, you know, work with the local people to make it go off without a hitch. And I'm sure you don't want to tell any tales out of school because you'll be going back to these venues, but are some cities easier to work in than others without naming any specific? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it kind of just depends on, like, what part of the country you're in. Hypothetically, like, what if Panic had... Uh, was playing a weekend in Philly at a big venue. What if the first show was this Friday night and it was one Saturday? Typically, when would you guys have to roll in and when would you be ready? Well, of course, you'd be ready for showtime. Um, but how soon, how far in advance are you guys in the venue starting to get everything rolling? So that would depend on, you know, the tour of the show and how much production is going into it. And also, you know, what your job is as a tech you know, the techs can come in a little bit later. We usually enter the venue around 9.30 or 10 a.m., you know, help get our gear out of the truck, start setting everything up. For me, you know, I'd start checking out the drum heads, maybe changing what they need to be changed, polish some cymbals, tune the drums. I have to set up the playback rig as well, which is a very important aspect of our show. So, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff to do. Um but in terms of, like, daily getting up early, like, we're not the earliest. Uh, but a lot of the riggers and people setting up the staging are, are going to be the first ones in the venue. And is that the day of? Like, if you had a Friday show at 8 p.m., would they start at 9 a.m. Friday, or would it be the day before? Yeah, so for for this past tour, it was all day of. Uh, there are a lot of big arena tours that will come in, you know, a day or two in advance and set up. That's all worked in their schedule because the production is so big. But we had it worked out that it could all happen in one day. We also wow. started the tour with like a week of rehearsals in the same venue where we could practice everything, you know, and work through everything to work out any kinks, which was, you know, vital in the uh, success of the tour. Really, it was, it was a huge help. So when you pull into a venue and, you know, everything's set up, the stage is there and the drums are all on stage, you're doing, do you do the sound check for tuning and all that stuff before the actual artists come in? Yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll run a line check with our front of house guy and our minor engineers to make sure everything's working properly, everything sounds normal. Um, you know, if the front of house guy hears something he doesn't like, he'll tell me and I can make any adjustments, maybe based on the room or some other uh, variable that day. And... Um, we usually make sure everything's in tip-top shape for the band to come out, and they come out and do a pretty fairly quick sound check. And, uh, yeah, we just roll from there. So what was it like the first time you started banging around the drum kit at Madison Square Garden for a sound check? Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. It's all – there's it, it's, it's just so many shows at this point. It's all a blur, but it is – it's really cool, you know, being able to – sit behind a kit and like play in a room like that it's definitely definitely a really cool experience <laughs> i'm sure so how many drum kits um are under the stage like theoretically how many drum kits and cymbals are laying around for you to uh replace if they get broken during the show um so we usually have one we just have one back well, actually we had two back snares, but uh i usually just leave one snare drum <laughs> the back of the drum riser, I have an extra drum pedal. You know, we have doubles or trip, sometimes triples of all the cymbals. 
and uh, it's rare that I've had to switch anything out in the middle of a show, maybe like a hi-hat cymbal here or there. Um, but yeah, we, we in terms of the actual drum set, it's only one kit. Um, yeah, I mean, it, there's not there's not that much backup going on. And during the show, I guess you're in really close proximity to the drummer. So if he's having a problem, he can just shout down to you and say, I need X, Y, or Z, and you can take care of it. Yeah, so when I first started, I was sitting like behind the drum riser, like directly behind Dan, their drummer. So he could literally just like put his hand down or turn around and tell me if he needed something. But now I'm off, usually on stage right uh, with the playback rig. Um, and uh, we have talkback microphones, so every member of the band has their own microphone that's, you know, isolated. It doesn't go to front of house. It just goes to our monitor engineer, and he can send it, you know, wherever you need. So me and Dan have a direct line of communication during the show. So in between songs, he just picks up his talkback mic, and we can, you know, have a conversation about whatever's going on or whatever he needs. And I would say the situation that, that happens more so in is when we do like one-off dates and we have like a backline kit that, mm. you know, we threw together that day and then, you know, there's a janky cymbal stand or something that's not working right. That's like a situation that's arise. But um, when we have our own tour, we have our own gear, it's, we usually don't have many issues in terms of like the drums. A couple of minutes ago, you said uh, this whole thing has been a blur in some sense. But if you could pick out one or two ven venues around the world that really like, you're like, wow, I can't believe I'm here, or the the size of the crowd was so big. Do you have any highlights from the recent tour that you could just share with us real quick? Yeah, um, I mean, the Madison Square Garden show was definitely crazy. It was sold out, and it was just, you know, a surreal experience, really. This past summer, we did a show in Tinley Park in Chicago that was like, I think it was like 22,000 or 23,000 people. And it was just, you know, it's 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 unbelievable to, to, to witness something like that happen. Uh, it's really fun, actually. When you go to the talk shows, I saw you did the rounds uh, a couple months ago. You were on Conan. I think you were on Fallon and Good Morning America, maybe. Um how much time do you have to get set up, get in there, and get out? Is it pretty quick, or do you have – is it really early morning? Are you in there at, like, 5 in the morning if it's, like, Good Morning America or something? Yeah, so we get there – We I think for the early morning shows, we usually get there, like, 5.30 or 6 a.m. or something like that. And uh, there's, like, backline gear usually waiting for us. And, uh, yeah, just throw the kit together, tune it up. We usually don't have a ton of time, but, you know, at least a couple hours to get our, get our stuff together. And it's really, you know, you just, you roll with the punches and you make it work. Uh, sometimes it's not ideal, but it usually ends up working out pretty well. Through your travels with the band and your connections, have you personally been able to meet some famous folks outside of the band, like on these talk shows or just on tour, like people coming backstage? Yeah, there's been a bunch of that. I just, um, I try to keep to myself and not really bother anyone. But um, there have been some pretty funny interactions. I think uh, we did like a New Year's thing at 30 Rock two years ago. And uh, one memory I have from that is Bob Saget, you know, walking in our dressing room, talking to us about some stuff. And yeah, so it was never a dull moment. <laughs> I'm sure. And you just mentioned... Uh 
you said two years ago. I, I never asked. How long have you been with Panic at the Disco? It's been almost two years, I think. Okay. So a lot of my students listen to these things uh, that we're recording these interviews. You know, you're with one of the hottest bands in the world right now. For many drummers, like a dream job, you know, being a drum tech, traveling the world, seeing all these great things. Do you have any words of advice for young guys? You know, they're middle school, high school, just starting out, and they're like, man, I like to do what that guy does. Yeah, it's, that's a hard one because it's just, it's really, I know everyone always says this, but it's really just about networking and meeting people. I mean, I never would have become friends with Dan had it not been for playing music and, you know, our shared interest in that. And, you know, just talk to people, always ask people questions. You know, if you're at a show and you're standing next to front of house and the sound guy looks like he has a free minute, you know, pick his brain a little bit, talk to him. The the people who have the most experience in this industry, you know, can really, they're, they're, a lot of them are really great at their jobs and they're always willing to talk about it. So I find a lot of people that I work with, you know, are very, very always willing to help and share their information. So really just meet new people and always, always ask, always never be afraid to ask people questions, I guess. Perfect. So put yourself out there and talk to people. Basically, yeah, exactly. make some connections. Great. So here's another question I ask most of my guests. If I had your iPod right now, what would be some of the most played uh, bands or tunes on your iPod right now? Hmm. Okay. Um, it's mostly just like old, older stuff. I I do listen to a lot of new stuff, but it's a lot of it's just like old rock, like Mamas and Papas, the band. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I like Patsy Cline a lot. I like a lot of old soul music, like Candy Staten and Sam Cooke. There's just something about the old records that I, uh, really speaks to me that you know the new stuff doesn't really have anymore. Um, I don't know. I, I think records are just being made differently now, and it's there's something to be said about the imperfections in the old music and uh yeah i don't know I, a lot of older stuff i guess is is the best, the best answer to that yeah speaking about imperfections i'm sure you've noticed this stuff but uh it's one james brown recording i love it might be super bad or something and if you listen to it carefully enough you can actually hear his hi-hat pedal squeaking yeah <laughs> like yeah stuff like that it, that it's it adds a human element it's beautiful. that we can all relate to yeah exactly yeah, because if it was recorded now, someone would hear that and they'd get rid of that. I'm like, no, that that's what makes it sound like music to me. Uh, so, yeah, exactly. that's a great answer. Exactly. Yeah. So something that I forgot to ask in the middle of the interview, when you guys travel, you said there's buses and semis. Do you sleep in the bus overnight as it's traveling or do you guys get put up in hotels or does it depend on the venue and the part of the country you're in? Yeah, so it really depends on what we're doing. If it's like a U.S. tour show days we always sleep on the bus and then days off we'll get hotel rooms so we do a show we shower up at the venue and then we hop on the bus and you know go to the next city and then wake up the next day in their parking lot and get off the bus and go to work so we usually don't get hotel rooms unless we have a day off um mm. sometimes if we're doing fly dates one off we'll have a hotel room every day or if we're in europe it, it really depends on the situation 
the I guess the band travels by itself and you guys travel by yourselves, but do you ever get um time to hang with the band or is it like two separate elements, the band and the crew? Yeah, I mean, um it, it is two separate elements, but we're very we work in very close quarters and like the band is so down to earth. They're just the coolest guys and our management is super relaxed and it's it's a good uh, working situation. So the playback uh-huh. rigs, like, do you have multiple playback rigs, like an A, B, and C, in case one fails, you can jump over to another one? Yeah, so we just have a redundant system where we have two Mac laptops that are basically completely independent of one another, and they run through a DI, which has a tone running to it, and when the tone is interrupted, let's say the first computer were to stop and that tone were to be interrupted, it automatically switches to the B computer. So in that sense, it is a fail-safe. So for your job requirements, you really have to be, you know, have a deep um, understanding of music, how to perform music, and then for your specific job, you actually have to have a lot of tech knowledge to make sure that everything is running smoothly. So it's a wide range of things that you have to be an expert at. Yeah, it, um, the tech part of it is is a big thing. I I definitely have learned a ton of stuff just from doing it every day. Um, I'm definitely way more confident in it now than I was when I started. Um, yeah, and you just you know you just have to understand the signal flow and how everything's working so that when something happens, you can jump in there and fix it and pinpoint the problem. I mean that's what it's all about. Um, and it, it helps because uh, Dan, their drummer, is also super into the technical side, and he's the band's musical director. So he'll, you know, edit files on the fly in Ableton or something, and then he'll give them to me, and I'll upload them on the computers. But um, he's like super into the playback rig and how it's working, and we talk about it all the time. You know, maybe let's try this piece of gear instead of this, or. So it's actually a lot of fun, you know, talking shop with him because he's like really into it, and uh, it helps having him there to uh, bounce ideas off of and you know work through situations together. Other than that, I'm just you know I, I do audio engineering when I'm back home in Philadelphia, and um, still buying and selling drums. And I just started playing in a new band called Pamas, which I'm excited about. And uh, yeah, I'm just trying to stay busy. Um, mostly music-related stuff, and, uh, yeah, it's been fun. Well, Andrew, thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I'm really uh, happy for everything that's happened to you in music, especially since I've known you for so long. Uh, very proud of all your accomplishments, and uh, I hope to meet up with you soon and talk some drums with you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's, it's been a, a pleasure. All right, man, great. We'll see each other soon. Bye-bye. All right, take care. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Backstage at the Enharmonic. Thanks for listening. <laughs>